everything. Father God, we come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today. Let it marinate in our hearts in a way where it, we can implement what we need to in our actions. God, we ask that you, you just disconnect every single satanic soul tie that we have with anyone. We ask that you allow us to be around your children that are centered on your word, that are... Um, embedded in your word that pray without ceasing allow those people to you know enter into our life and influence us let us influence others through the power of your holy spirit god break every satanic soul type break every satanic relationship god we ask that you just immediately just break off every single tie that we have with anything that is wicked or evil and that you allow us to enter into a new relationship with you in a way where we can, you know, prosper in fulfilling your plan, will, and purpose for our life, God. We want you to be the head of our life. So we ask that you give us favor in every situation and circumstance, and that you also just lead us in the path of righteousness through the power of your Holy Spirit. So, God, thank you so much for giving us your word today. Thank you for giving us access to you. God, we really need to be inspired by you and encouraged by you. So we just ask that you continue to allow us to desire your word, to crave more of you, crave more in understanding you, and just give us the ability to just be able to do the things that is pleasing to you, Lord. So, God, thank you so much for filling us up with your Holy Spirit. And, God, I thank you so much for giving me access to the Holy Spirit and for giving me the gifts of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, thank you so much for giving me gifts. And I just pray that you lead me in this discussion. Don't let don't let me forget anything. Let me discuss everything that I need to and um let me be let me minister great to let me minister grace to the hearer and that which is edifying to those that are hopeless and filled with despair. But most importantly, Lord, we ask that you allow your will to be done, not ours, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen. Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So um, today, I'm just going to be talking about women's health. Now, yesterday, I was talking about Sarah and how, um, you know, Sarah was laughing at God. She wasn't laughing with God. She was laughing at God. And we see that Abraham, when he left, he was pretty ecstatic about what God was blessing him with. Um, a son, a child, you know, at the age of 100 years old and Sarah being 90 years old. And so I wanted to talk about, so I was, um, so I was looking at some scriptures yesterday and I wanted to pull up these. It's an actual. So let me let me go ahead and share my screen. I just want to dive right into the word of God today. But before I do, let me just explain some of the housekeeping rules. So the first thing is this. If you're joining me via Zoom webinar, please go ahead and put your questions into the Q&A. All right. If you are asking me a question and for some reason I don't see what you're saying, just please go ahead and raise your hand. OK, and I should be able to see that. Um, if you're joining me via any of the audio apps like uh, Podbeam, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Alexa, any of those, um, please go ahead and put your questions in the comments and I'll be sure to reply to you there. You can always send me an email directly at info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Now, if you wanted to get prayer, please send your prayer request to lawslifehealth at suddenchangescorporation.org. 
Now, do understand that when you're sending over your prayer request, that you will get a response back, okay? And I will send you an email. We, we will pray about whatever you need to, and we can also talk about it. I was thinking about maybe on, maybe one day out of the week, just um doing like a prayer, okay? So just setting up just a prayer line um, via Zoom webinar and also the Podbean app. So maybe I could just do prayers. I'm thinking... um. I haven't selected a date yet, so I'll, I'll let you all know soon. But if you wanted to get that prayer request, please go ahead and send it over to uh, Lost Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Next, if you wanted to become an author, right? Um, now, this is all biblical content, all right? So you do have to believe in God, and you have to believe 100% in the Bible, okay? Um, Arthur, you can definitely do that. But just go ahead and send your request in addition to if you wanted to become a volunteer, because I definitely need volunteers. OK, and if you're mandated by court to do community service, this is a virtual environment. You can work online and you can satisfy your community service requirements. So just go ahead and send that email to info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Once again, if you also wanted to become an intern and you wanted to complete your internship here, go ahead and send me an email at info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Also, if you wanted to suggest a topic, I've had several people um, suggest topics. So I know it's taking a little bit of time to get to those blogs, but rest assured, there is going to be a time when I am going to get to you. Okay. So um suggest the topics to me all right send that email request to deanna watson at suddenchangescorporation.org once again that is deanna d-e-a-n-n-a watson at suddenchangescorporation.org all right now so let me share my screen and i want to get into the word today okay so let's see here i want to go to a couple of scriptures that I pull up. Oh, I did not mean to do that. So let's see here. Okay. I'll share again so that that way I can make sure that I did it the right way. Okay. All right, here we go. So here is, here is the scripture here. So we're going to go to Ecclesiastes. Um, I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes uh, 12 and verse 2. Okay. Go there. And then I'm going to go to. Matthew. I'm going to go to Matthew. Um, 13 verses 47 through 52. And then I'm going to, okay. I think that, that was it. I think that's all I was going to do for now. Okay. All right. Here we go. So this is so interesting and I just had to share this. Okay. Now I know that this is a women's podcast about women's health all right but i want you all to know that the word of god is so powerful 
that God literally, literally gave me this word last night. Okay. So this is Romans chapter 12, verse 12. I'm sitting here. And so I, I'm always thinking about like the earth and how God created this and how God created the plants and God created the flowers and God created the trees and God created the insects. And then I think about how God created the ants and how, you know, there is a, um, how ants can hibernate and how bears go into hibernation and how certain, like, I always think about everything that God created because it's actually so fascinating. Like when I think of how bees are, how they, right? You have ants who, even though that they are so tiny, so I think about, you know, the the part that God has given us. He He's given the ability to be able to dominate earth, to dominate everything on earth. And so I guess when I'm when I'm going through going through life, you have to make sure that you're dominating. And so, like my pastor, he will always talk about dominate. We are dominators. So we dominate. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just explain this uh, uh, one more thing. So, before I get into the scripture, so today um, I had a practice call basically for someone who. So, I volunteered and I'm volunteering at this crisis center where um, people and having like really. Um, to be able to help them get through and so i had a practice call it was so interesting because i've already done counseling as a um a crisis clinician and so i've done this and so the way i guess i'm i'm very very um somewhat i guess authoritarian and uh aggressive and when it comes to like my work ethic but when it comes to talking to people i am so passive I am very passive when they are going through like situations. It's like, I really want to diffuse and calm down the situation. And so I was able to talk on the call and just really allow the caller to direct the call. Cause it's really about making sure that person feels like they are in control of the situation. They are the ones who know what they're experiencing, what they're going through. And so my job as a, volunteer is to make sure that i i stimulate motivation right and i stimulate them in a way where you know i'm i'm making this rapport building in a way that's going to transition to them having some options and feeling like they're back in control of, of their lives right and so this is so important because many times we go through life and we feel like we're out of out of place we're out of balance right? It's like you're experiencing many different forms of adversity, so many different forms of, of concerns that are being brought in your path. It's like, ah, here's another obstacle. I have to go through this and I have to try to overcome that. And so you're thinking about everyday living. In everyday life, is going to have 
things that you're going to have to overcome every single day. You may wake up and you go to your car and it's like, oh, I needed to get gas. I forgot to get gas. Uh, now you got to stop at the gas station. You're late for work. And, you know, so it's one obstacle after the next obstacle. Now you can't find a park at work. Now you can't, you know, like it's so many different things that happens in the lives of everyone on a day-to-day -day basis. But how are we like sort of allowing ourselves to overcome many of these things? So we and we know the authority that Christ has given us. We know this, right? We know what God has given us. And so we know that God has us the ability to what to dominate, to dominate the to dominate the earth. Um, so I want to talk about that for a bit. And let's talk about the authority that you have been given. So let's let's go. I want to start at Genesis actually. Um, let's talk about uh God. God gives um so we're gonna talk about dominion. Because that's a, a very specific topic. It's very important for us to understand what it means to have dominion. Okay. And when you understand your position, then you're also, you're able to understand the things that you can already, uh, the things that you can overcome. So let's look here. All right, so we're going to go to, uh, I want to first go, go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. And I'm always in the Old Testament. I'm in the Old Testament because the, the Old Testament, in order for you to understand the New Testament, you want to go through the Old Testament too, because there is a lot of confirmations in the Old Testament that is confirmed in the New Testament. Now, keep in mind that the Bible there was actually a 400 year separation period from the book of Matthew, from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God did not speak for 400 years, 400 years. God was silent. That's called the silent period. And so when you think about this, you got to think about how God has actually given us the ability to know that even when he is silent, right we still dominate okay we still have the authority that has been given to us by christ okay so when you know your authority you're not going to be easily conquered in life all right so let's look at uh genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 28 so it says and god said let us make man in our image our likeness and let us let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so what this means in verse 26, God gave us dominion over everything on the earth, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, everything everything so like let me explain what this dominion means so um i'm going to transition to the strong concordance and i'm going to briefly explain what the strong concordance do 
And I do this each time for the purposes of, of new people that are coming in and they're chiming in, listening for the first time. So now that they can understand what the strong concordance is, this is only a brief explanation. All right. If you needed a more in-depth analysis of what the strong concordance mean and what it does, please send me an email and I respond to you there. Okay. Um, but for now, let's look at the word dominion. So we have the Strong's Concordance. And so the Bible, the Bible, the entire Bible itself is called the Dead Sea Scrolls. All right. And so the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew scrolls. Right. And that's from the books of Genesis to the book of Malachi. Now we have also the New Testament, which is all written in Greek. Okay. And so these translations are closely resonated with the book of King, the, the King James version. And so we look at the King James version in order to understand the Strong's Concordance. So the Strong's Concordance have words and it also has numbers. So each word in the Bible has its own lexicon number or Strong's number. And each word in the Bible has its own Strong's number or Lex number. They're, they're all the same. You just have different scholars that interpret it differently, okay? But they're all innately similar, okay? So, for instance, if we look at the word perfect, the word perfect is mentioned in the Bible about uh, 94 different times in 94 different verses. But the word perfect actually has 23 separate meanings to its word. So, for instance, if we look at the Merriam Dictionary or the dictionary, it says the word perfect is without flaw, right? But that isn't what it means in the Holy Bible. The word perfect itself, it actually means to be mature in nature and in thought. So, God wants us to be mature in, in our nature, in the way that we are, and also in our thoughts. Because our thoughts influence our actions. So, the word perfect means to be mature, and that's what we should be. All right, so we're not going to like really compare any of the Hebrew or the Greek words to anything in the dictionary because they all mean something different, okay? So it's very important to make sure that you can dissect and separate those two by making sure you're looking at, okay, so the word perfect means mature in the Bible. The word perfect means without flaw in the dictionary, okay? So we're looking at it from God's perspective and not the worldly perspective. So that's that's the first thing. Now, when you're searching a word in the Strong's Concordance, it's going to pull up every single verse that that word was mentioned. Okay, and it's going to give you the definition on the other side. Now, there is multiple ways that you can find um, uh, the Strong's Concordance. There are different types of Strong's Concordance that you can utilize as well. But for this, I usually just go to Strong'sConcordance.org. And so it is comprised of, of about 100 different scholars who actually analyze the word of God and then they interpret it and they translate it in English. OK, so the original Bible is in Hebrew scrolls and in Greek. So when you look at the Old Testament, we have the first five books of the Bible. It is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those, those five books are considered the Torah. And so the Torah is basically the law. This is what God has commanded us to do. And so we see the Ten Commandments are in the book of Exodus in chapter 20. Those, that is where you can find the, the Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, you have the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so that is considered the Gospels. That, that's where you can find 
where um, there are discussions about the life of Jesus and when he was here on earth. So we know that Jesus Christ, he was actually 30 years old when he began his ministry. But when we think about the life of Jesus, we have to understand here, um, it talks about how Jesus was brought just as low as the angel. So he was 100% God and also 100% man. So Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. The difference is, is that while he was here on earth, he never used his godly power to defend himself. Not once. So he only used his power to heal the sick and to raise the dead. And he spoke. And he, he spoke to people, he even spoke to the religious Pharisees who really did not accept him at all. We see that he also used his power, his godly power to, you know, um, feed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and fish. So there are multiple things that that God did when he was here on earth to make sure that he was using his godly power to advance the kingdom of God. And so what the things that Jesus did, those are some of the things that we're also required to do. Um, everything that we see in the Bible and everything that we read, we are supposed to be sponsoring these things in our own lives. Okay. So for instance, when Jesus died on the cross, he was crucified at the cross. When he crucif was crucified at the cross, he had access to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was inside of him because John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus. So John the Baptist was Jesus Christ cousin and um when we look at the bible we see that that john the baptist um in the bible as it refers to we can see that um i think it was elijah many people had thought uh that jesus was elijah coming back but really when you look at the bible it talks about john the baptist and how really john the baptist is elijah right elijah the spirit of elijah and then now we see that um jesus so he is on the cross and just going back to the fact that he was baptized with the holy spirit the holy spirit uh descended upon jesus while he when he was baptized by his cousin john the baptist and so what happened was he now he's at the cross and he's being crucified and he's basically suffocating in his lungs because when a person is crucified, it's some it's some of the worst, worst excruciating pain that anyone can experience from what I've read. And actually, um, fluid fills the lungs. Blood fills the lungs. And so that's what happens. And so Jesus was on the cross. He's sitting here and um, he's crucified. And he has the Holy Spirit inside of him. So he doesn't use his godly power because we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So what we also see in the Bible is that, you know, the Holy Trinity, it isn't actually mentioned in the Bible, but it talks about the Father, the Word, which is the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the word in Hebrew means logos, which means the Christ. So we have the father, the word, which is the son, Jesus Christ, and 
the Holy Spirit. So in order to get to the Father, you have to come through the Son. And this is all throughout the, the scriptures. Okay? Specifically in the New Testament. In John um, 10 and 30, it says, I and the Father are one. So they are one flesh. But in order to have access to God, you have to come through Jesus Christ. Because see, when he died on the cross, he was his fleshly self. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So what, what, what Jesus did is he had to show us how we will live thereafter. So we have our flesh that are, we're clothed in skin. And we have the spirit. We're, we're living spirits. We are living souls. So if you authorize the, the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you can will have access to the Holy Spirit. So he died on that cross. And he was in the flesh. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him. And, and he was able to have access to God when he ascended to heaven. I, hopefully that makes sense to everyone, okay? And so um, this is why he says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? So it wasn't God forsaking him. Um, he, had, he had the Holy Spirit, right? And so we see that... He had to die on the cross in the flesh with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will resurrect him. So we see that in the Bible, it talks about the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. So while he when he resurrected, he was on earth for 40 days. And then after that, he ascended into heaven. So he talked to a lot of the unbelievers when he was on earth. He talked to his disciples, the apostles and stuff. So he talked to a lot of people, even doubting Thomas had to feel the, the you know, like his crucifixion in his, in, on him. He had to touch his wounds to make sure that it was him because he was doubting everything. And so we see that once he ascended into heaven, 10 days later, he sent down the Holy Spirit. When he sent down the Holy Spirit, guess what? They became drunk with the Holy Spirit. The apostles became drunk with the Holy Spirit. And so now, that was 10 days later. So you have the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, his resurrection. He spent 40 days on earth. 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit. So the number 50, so that's 50 in total. 40 days on earth, 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit. The number 50 represents the day of Pentecost. It means Pentecost. So it's the day of Pentecost. And so what God wants us to realize and really understand is, is that he's given us everything that we need. So we get salvation through Jesus. We get access to the Holy Spirit. And when we have access to the Holy Spirit, it gives us a direct connection to God and we're able to communicate with him. And when we have the Holy Spirit, we can talk to Jesus. We got salvation. Jesus still will talk to you even if you are not saved. God still chases you with after he chases you with his love. The Bible talks about all through scripture, how he chases you with his love. So when we see this, um, so God still will listen to people that don't believe in him and he still will answer you even when you don't believe in him.
So that's 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 how merciful our God is. That's how incredible our God is. And so when we look at the Sean's Concordance, it gives you just it broadens the scope of your level of understanding the word of God. So going back to the scripture in Genesis 1, 26 and 28, it says that um, in verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Dominion, let's look at this word dominion. But before I go there, I want to show you here, it says, let us. So the word us here is a indication that this is the father, the word, the son, which is the son in the Holy Spirit. So the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So the word us, let us make man in our image. God is talking about what he's saying in his entire, all his word. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word is Jesus. Okay. So the word actually means logos in Hebrew. So that means Jesus. So we see, let us, we're talking about the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Let us make man in our image. Okay. So let's look at this word dominion. So when you type in the word dominion, the word dominion is in 55 different verses in the Bible, 55 different scriptures. It has 17 different meanings. But now we're going to go specifically to the scripture that we're looking at. And it, it has it right here. This is the first mention of the word dominion in Genesis 1, 26. So we see that this word is Strong's number 7287. It is pronounced Radah. Radah. And so what it means is to, to, to thread down, subjugate, to crumble off. Come to, make to, have dominion, prevail against, reign, to rule. So we see that God wants us to prevail. He's saying that we are prevailing, we're going to rule, and we're going to dominate. Basically, that's what we're going to do. Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So this is what God wants us to do. And so that's what we're going to do. So God created man in his own image In the image of God created he him male and female created he them. He created both male and female. God created everything. So when you think about the fish of the sea, that's all at all the sea creatures, every single thing in the sea. Even undiscovered sea creatures, because you have. You have a lot of people here on earth that are very afraid to go into the depths of the ocean. See, some parts of the depths of the ocean are hundreds and hundreds of miles long. Thousands of miles long across the whole earth. So the circumference of the, the sea is thousands of miles. But when you think about anybody it like explores you don't see so many people trying to explore now i was recently reading something about elon musk saying that he was going to create a submarine or something like that i thought that was kind of like i i don't know if it was serious if he was serious or if it was joke um because i saw a lot of joking comments i'm always reading i always read 
So I don't assume anything. I, when a person makes a statement, I sometimes wonder, okay, is this a statement or is this an actual question? So some people can infer and then you'll be inadvertently thinking that they're making a statement when they're actually asking a question. They just didn't put the question mark. Okay. So <laughs> when you are a critical thinker, you kind of like analyze things from a different perspective. And so, um, so I was looking at that. And then also when we think about, you know, the depths of the sea, uh, there are a lot of undiscovered animals, a lot of undiscovered uh, sea creatures. Right. And so, we also have dominion over all the fowl of the air, meaning like every single thing that flies, everything that flies, everything that flies, God has given us dominion over. And over all the cattle, that means the cows, the pigs, everything, everything over all the earth, everything on earth. So it didn't say that, you know, like, Everyone should live in overcrowded cities and never explore the rest of the world. So for me, I think before we become a multi-planetary uh, uh, people, that we should explore the rest of the earth. There's about 70% of water mass on earth that has not been um, subjected to creating land. So I don't know why. Um, but I know that it's a lot of government interference with that. But at the same time, I think that exploring other parts of the earth is something that should be really focused on. Because there's too much undiscovered land. God said that we will. But let's let's look here. Let's talk about what God is saying here. So this scripture is very powerful. And so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. So God didn't say, um, you know, um, decrease in population. You know, God didn't say be concerned with human capacity, right? God didn't say limit your reproduction, right? He didn't never say that. He said that, that Abraham actually would have seed as uh uh more than at on the seashore more than the sand abraham's seed will multiply more than sand so sand that's unlimited okay so it's the process by which god has created everyone is real i think is very um simplistic He's already said no one is going to live past 120 years. So there's no reason to actually even be concerned with depopulation or human capacity. So um, there has been a lot of discussion in the scientific community about the concerns over human capacity. But to reflect back to the scriptures here, this is what God is saying. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So we are supposed to subdue it. So let's look at the word subdue because we see that the word dominion actually means to rule and dominate. Okay. So we're going to look at, let's look up subdue. Okay. I like really looking at the dictionary for, I mean, the Strong's Concordance for uh, uh, definitions. 
So we see in, in um, Genesis 1 and 28, it doesn't have an actual definition for subdue. So I have to probe further, meaning I have to research a little bit more. So, so let's see. Um, we're going to look at this word. Let's see, let's see. So subdue is not on there. So we're going to look at the word subdue in Hebrew. And see what it means. So it means kibosh. The the Hebrew word is kibosh. It's Strong's number three five three three. It means to bring into bondage. It also means to um, bring into subjection, force into bondage, subdue, subjugate, trample, th uh, thread our underfoot, underfoot. So we are supposed to actually um, dominate the earth, subdue it, bring the earth un under our subjection, bring the things here on the earth under our subjection. That's what God is saying. Look, God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, subdue it. God knows the process. It was a very simplistic process. So the, the fact of the matter of anyone suggesting or implementing any type of eugenics is actually a ridiculous ideation. So sterilization is a ridiculous notion. It's a foolish ideation. A foolish ideology. So God wants us to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we dominate. So I had somebody ask me. The people that ask me questions, sometimes I wonder. I just say, ah, okay. But I don't wonder all the time. I, I just... It's like God gives you the answers right away. You never ever have to answer things on your own. When you when you are equipped with the Holy Spirit, you never have to answer questions on your own. God is going to help you answer whatever it is because it's like the energy is that's inside of you is so powerful that God gives you an immediate answer. Whenever you believe in God and you study his word, you're supposed to be able to give an answer. And so somebody asked me, well, well, since God created everything on earth and he said that we're supposed to dominate earth, that means we could do whatever we want with it. I was like, Okay, so are you're suggesting that you can do whatever you want to do with anything on earth? So, when people want to marry animals, that's okay. When people are having intimacy with animals, is that okay? If someone wanted to slaughter an animal, and then, you know, burn it into ashes and then smoke it. Is that okay? So.
So like, there are some things in a society, in a society, not an anarchy, okay? A society. We are supposed to have rules and regulations because if you are in a society without rules and regulations, people are going to be doing all type of foolishness. God said to dominate over the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the air. He did not say, he did not say multiply with animals. He did not say change their genetic code. He didn't say change their DNA. He didn't say cut down all the trees so you don't have any more trees. He didn't say that. He said be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So replenish doesn't mean to alter. It means to constantly reproduce. That means you constantly multiply your repro reproductions you constantly multiply the reproduction of the plants the animals the the sea creatures you replenish the earth you don't you don't deduct you don't alter you don't eliminate by extinction forced evolution forcing the extinction of natural selection. That isn't something that you do. So I know that this is kind of a long discussion, but I do have a point. So let me go ahead and shift back. So um, when we think about all of these things, God wants us to replenish, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. So when you think about when we're going here and we're looking at what we're supposed to do, you have to understand that you have the authority that's within inside of you. If God, God gave you dominion over everything on the earth, that means God has given you authority over the situations in your life, over the problems in your life, over the things that's going on in your life. You have the power. You have every single tool. Every single weapon that you need to be victorious in this life. You have it. Because you rule. So when you wake up, you need to say, I rule. I rule and I dominate. I am a contributor. And can't no problem bring me down in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Nothing can stop me. Nothing will stop me from fulfilling God's plan, will, and purpose in my life in the name of Jesus Christ. So when you constantly put that out there and you believe it, you have dominion. You have to believe in God's word. It doesn't matter about what the world is saying. It doesn't matter about what the world is doing. You have to remember your position. You are greater than that problem. That you're undefeated. Remember, you are on the team of the body of Christ that is undefeated. That means that, like, I don't know how many people that's played sports. But if you was playing sports and you knew that you was going to win at the end of the game, 
What would you do? It's like, oh, we won. You already know you won. So, like, how are you going to play? You gonna What you going to do with your, your opponents? You going to keep talking. We winning anyway. We going to win the game. You know we are going to win. It's like you in a football game. What you going to tell your opponent? Up. Uh, what you going to tell them? You know you're about to win. So it's like, wait, wait, what? I won. Did you not get the memo? You ain't catch the memo yet. So I've won the game. I won the football game. Okay, because I'm on the winning team. So like, do you feel that you got to work that hard when you know you won? You, you have to maintain. You got to maintain your position. Go out there on the field. Do what you have to do. And win. That's it. Because you already know you won. God is telling you the things that you have to do. So you just have to do those things. So I want to go to this scripture, which really is the main reason for me talking about having dominion and dominating. So this is in Ecclesiastes uh, 12 and verse 2. Now listen to this. Let's, let's look at the first verse too. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. So like, look, this is, I was at verse two, but I wanted to read verse one so you can see like the trajectory of what this scripture is talking about. So you look at verse two, it says before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. That's it right there. That's the scripture. The clouds return after the rain. So I don't know how this scripture has surpassed me, but I'm sitting there like, wait, so that means that clouds disappear when it rain so i looked up <laughs> i pulled this uh i pulled this actual i said right here let me pull it up so this is another thing how god shows you that his word is true so this is clouds so it says this is an article that is published by mike moth it's um what happens to rain clouds after storms so let's look at this and now we we not know uh sciences i'm not a scientist but i would like to know how it's talking about this in Ecclesiastes 12 and 2. The clouds return after the rain. So it says, Mike Moss, what happens to rain clouds after storms? There are a couple of mechanisms by which the clouds may go away. One is the process called advocation or adviction, adviction, meaning simply that the cloud droplets are moving along at roughly the speed of wind at cloud height so that the clouds are carried by the wind in the direction toward the wind is blowing until the clouds have moved out of the area 
and the skies clears up. So the other mechanism is by evaporation in which the cloud droplets themselves are transformed from tiny liquid water droplets into invisible water vapor molecules. You see that? So the clouds turn into invisible water vapor. So this can result from warming of the air in which the cloud resides, which may occur due to solar heating or due to subsidence sinking air and the resulting increase in pressure, which also increases temperature or from entrainment of drier air that may surround the cloud. So now they're saying because of sinking air or drier air, it surrounds the, the, the cloud. So the change in temperature and the, and the dryness and the, the humidity. So as the drier air is mixed into the cloud, the overall rel relative humidity decreases and the cloud droplets again may evaporate, leaving the skies clear or mostly so. So in many cases, the clearing of our skies in the wake of a cloudy period or a storm system is some combination of these various mechanisms. So the original questions was posed to Bill Beaven. After a storm, the clouds go away. Where do they go? So they, they edited it to what happens to rain clouds after storms. So this is a very interesting topic. And the reason why I'm saying it's so interesting is because the Bible already explains to us what is happening to the clouds. It says in verse two, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars go grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. This is in the Bible. So you said, so this is what God explained to me. So I'm like, okay, so God, the clouds disappear after it rains. This is what God said about the intelligence of humans. When it comes to the clouds and the ability that it took for man to figure out what happened to the clouds, their lack of understanding of clouds, their lack of understanding of the science that is behind God's creation. It will take many, many, many centuries for a person to really fully understand the clouds. So if man only has 120 years on earth per God's word, that means that for multiple generations, there will need to be books that will be left to future descendants in order for them to fully even figure out even 1% of what is really happening to the clouds. So the knowledge of man is foolish to God. It doesn't matter how long they go to school for. 
It doesn't matter how long a person can be try to seek intelligence to fully understand God's creation. You would need to talk to God about how he created it. So this is what God said to me. And I was like, wow, God, that is some deep, that is a great revelation. I wasn't even sitting here. I was like, literally just like, okay, so the clouds, the clouds return after it rained. And this is, this should put you in the perspective of what God wants for us. So what this means is that you have meteorologists. You have people that are talking about science, okay? And they go to school their entire lives to try to figure out certain things. The only thing that they will bring about is the latter time. And Bible prophecy. That is simply it. So let's look at this scripture. Because um before before um God had placed the limitation on a hundred and twenty years, they would used to live thousands of years, hundreds of years. So see, this scripture says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. So God, like what he was explaining to me was, <laughs> I want to, I want to look this up. So I want to, I'm going to go to this scripture here. Um, and look this at the Strong's Concordance, but it says in the King James Bible, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. So what God is saying, look, see, you're, you're smartest person in the world doesn't equate to not one person that has access to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't equate to one spiritual gift. So that is probably like not a good thing, you know, for a lot of people, it could probably mean a lot for them. But the problem is, is that when you equate this worldly knowledge to a God, which is our God that created all things, you place yourself under a uh, foolishness. So when we go to this scripture, so we go to the scripture where it says that in Hosea four and six, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. God is saying 
People are rejecting knowledge. See, like I, I've said this so many times and I will tell you that God helped me with my homework. Like God really have been influencing me for a very long time. He's been in my life pretty much my entire life. I've just went through a lot of different adversities, but I have always been called and chosen by God since I was in my mother's womb. And so when you when I think about all of these things and I think about how interesting school was for me, it's like my separation from my current school right now, I, I've chosen to withdraw. And I am actually going to be going to another school. And so the next time you you all will hear me talk about school is going to be at the time where I'm about to graduate. Okay. But I wanted to talk about just how I feel with sort of disconnecting myself from this long-term business relationship. I've been at this school since 2007. I've been in college since 2007. And so it's a very, very difficult process trying to move forward in this process. And so I just feel I want to go to a place where there is um, it's more contribution to my future than the latter. So I want to feel where I can really, really grow at a, at a school in a way where I have individuals at the school trying to contribute to my overall success. And I just don't want to feel like just because of a few professors that I work with at my current school that they haven't been able to really provide that for me. And I feel like my education, my academics have really been limited because of a lot of stuff that has taken place. And although my school itself isn't like the the culprit in the matter, they have really, really tried to help bring all of this to a resolve. But I don't think that, you know, like once you go through an experience and then you continue to go through experiences and see, I don't mention everything. I don't talk about a lot of stuff. I just like, I don't have time to do that. I'm not going to make time for discussions that isn't contributing to my overall success. So I don't like talking about those type of things. I like, if we're going to discuss something, we need to talk about something that is going to help move forward. And so, yes, my school has tried to bring that to a resolve, but it still has not worked. Okay. There are a lot of different things that I just don't even want to talk about. But when I think about this separation, from this, this long-term business relationship that I've had in my academia, it is a process. It almost feels like, oh, like I'm, it feels like I'm abandoning this, this school now. I've been so attached to it for so long. But, you know, um, when we trust God, God always, he everything everything happens for the good of the purpose of them who love God and those that are called according to his will. So I know that whatever God has planned for me is going to happen cuz all I ask God has already said, look, I created the opportunity for you. So God, even though God has shown me throughout my life that when bad situations occur, 
that isn't a bad situation. Something else is going to happen in a way where it's going to bring about favor in some way. God orchestrates certain things and and he turns the things that we consider to be so bad. And like I've looked at this situation like this is a horrible situation. I've invested half of my life into my education. And so to think about now I'm separating myself from that school. Now it, it just feels like a different type of difficult experience. And I kind of feel like it's a, just a bad situation. But I know that from what I can see on the outside, God shows me that he turns around that those things that are intended for bad and he turns them around for good. And so I'm actually... I'm looking forward to the process of which God is leading me. And that's what I would say. I trust God enough to know that where he's leading me is better than where I'm currently at. Even though I don't necessarily fully want to let go, God is telling me to let go and, and to give it to him. That means that I... I'm depending on God because I trust his process. I trust the journey that he's taking me on. And so that's, that's it. And so now I will be going to another school and um, hopefully soon, hopefully I don't have, I've prayed that I don't have any problems or complications with getting there because it does require my school to do some, some paperwork for me to go there. They haven't updated some information into the Department of Education system, then I need to get that done. But the reason why I have these vulnerable conversations about my life is to let you all know, like, my experiences are hard too sometimes. And it has been a difficult process with me. I'm getting a PhD. I'm a mom. I'm also a, a student that really, really... Is that is a a student that I will be graduating with high honors. So I am not only just doing that, but I'm also a great supporter of my family. I'm a, also a great supporter of my friends. And I'm also doing a podcast every single day for almost a year now. My anniversary will be coming up next month. Every single day, I've stayed committed to making sure that I keep my dedication to God to spread his word. And so this is a process. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that when you are vulnerable and you want to share your story, share your stories with people. Talk about how you've overcome because I feel like I've already overcome. I've overcome a situation that I'm, I'm still... I'm still in my school finishing up a class, but I've advised them that I want to withdraw. I've already withdrawn from the rest of my classes. So I just don't want to be there anymore. Um, but the point of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. When I began to experience the knowledge that comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom and knowledge. I was fascinated by understanding things, not from my perspective. 
God shows you things that you would have never imagined or even thought that you could even have an understanding on. So my research is basically about CRISPR technology. And like I've said, I've been in college since 2007. So I did not go to school to be a biologist or a chemistry or any uh, physicist or anything like that. Okay. I actually, my master's degree was in healthcare. And so now my PhD is in um, community psychology with a focus on um, CRISPR technology of genetic engineering and how it relates to several beliefs and several liberties. And so I talk about all biological things in my research, even though I'm not a biologist. So God allowed me to basically focus my research on CRISPR technology. When I initially went to school, and, and the reason why I'm talking about this is because Hosea 4 and 6, the, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want to explain this. I had no pre-existing knowledge about the in-depthness of uh, biological practices. Yes, I've taken some biology classes, biology one and two as a requirement for my undergrad, including for my, my master's. Um, and so when I think about those things, yes, I understand consumer chemistry and chemistry and the basics. But when it comes to how RNA mapping is and mRNA is in the RNA phase, I literally learned all of this during the process of me getting my PhD. My initial thesis for my PhD was really about how ex-offenders, those incarcerated people, are being reintegrated back into society and how we need to create programs that are centered on them being able to obtain long-term careers, long-term housing, including family support and engagement. So I focused a lot of my attention on incarcerated individuals and I wanted to really focus more so on how we can combat recidivism while we're also enabling ex-offenders to be reintegrated back into society. And so like I've always focused on the fact that when someone goes to jail, they paid their debt to society and then once they're released from jail, now they have a lifetime condemnation. How do they support their families? How do they go out and get a job and get a long-term career when many jobs are denying them employment because of their previous record? And so there are a lot of great programs out here where they have the work opportunity tax credit. So the work opportunity tax credit issues employers who participate in the WOTC they give them about $5,000 for each felon that they hire or each person that, that, that was receiving, you know, like food stamps or benefits like that. So the work opportunity tax credit is something that is really beneficial to employers to hire people that are in underserved, underrepresented communities. And so that was my focus. 
but I was sitting back and I was actually with my, my ex. And so I was sitting there, I was talking to him and I was like, you know, God is like changing my heart about my research topic. It's like, I really want to talk about ex-offenders, but God is telling me that someone else is already doing that. That's going to be taken care of that because that was the message that God gave me. That's the message that God put on my heart. You are focusing on research that someone else is already going to be taken care of. And I was like, okay. So somebody's really out here doing this, I guess. Okay, so it's probably a lot of people that are. And so um, so I talked to my professor and I talked to the uh, chair. And my professor, she was like um, for my literature class. And, and she says, well, you have to the next quarter to change your topic. Because we go back quarters, not semesters. So she said, you have until the next quarter to change your topic. And I was like, okay. So I wasn't sure. I'm like, I have all of this like collective research that I've spent so long on, including my thesis and my master's and stuff. I really focused on trying to, you know, help ex-offenders get back reintegrated back into society and to become overcome um, a lot of this stigma that is surrounding them being reintegrated back into society. And so that was my main goal objective. And I was like, ah, this is what I'm talking about. I'm going to do all of my research on ex-offenders and incarcerated people. And so God said, no. I've given that task to someone else. And it was cleared at this time because this is like the third time God has already said first he said look someone else is, is taking over that topic then god said look someone else is already working on that and then god said look i've given this to someone else to do <laughs> that's the way god i was praying because i prayed about any major any major activities in my life i pray to god because it was times in my life I would just get up and move somewhere and it was now moving in the bad neighborhood. It's like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I don't do that anymore. Uh-uh, I'm going to include God in this decision. So I include God with any major um, events taking place in my life. I pray to God and ask him for guidance. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, so... I was reading about CRISPR technology. I, I had known a little bit about it, but not too much. Not as much as I know now. So it's like when it comes to the entire entire process of CRISPR um, technology, including their um, different CAS systems, right? You have CAS nine, they have CAS thirteen, they have they have different CAS systems. They have CAS four. There are so many CAS systems that are able to genetically modify organisms. They even have Casper, I'm sorry, CRISPR-13 now. And so now I'm looking and now it's like God said, this is what you're going to write about. And I say, I wonder if they're going to let me change my topic. And God said, they are going to let you change your topic because this is what you're going to write about. And you're going to harvest into my kingdom. 
So you're going to make sure that everyone is fully aware of, of what is going on with CRISPR technology. Everyone is going to know about CRISPR technology. And so God, it was like my boyfriend at the time, all he kept saying was, you talk about CRISPR so much, you're going to get CRISPR tattooed on you. CRISPR this and CRISPR that and CRISPR, CRISPR, CRISPR. <laughs> so it's just so funny because I'm like always talking about CRISPR. CRISPR technology. And I'm studying it because like the entire time, that's what I studied. And so I felt like I've been having a lot of um, adversity during this process. And so what's really interesting is that this is what God told me along this process. And I, I haven't really talked to anybody about this, but God was saying like, the problem is the problem with mankind is that when there are people that are speaking, those people that are in positions of power are trying to silence those that need to speak through their social media platforms. This is called censoring. So censoring is something that is really, really a major issue. And God does not like censoring. God gives you freedom. He gives you choice. He gives you options, right? So the, the issue is, is that the rest of the world haven't fully realized that everyone has the option. Everyone has the choice. Everyone gets to choose. So when you force things upon people, it becomes illegitimate. So you can't force the world to accept CRISPR technology. You can't force the world to accept these technological changes and force evolution. But what we can do is we give people the option to choose. And then guess what? God has said, then he has exhausted everything within his means. To make sure that you understood him. That is what God told me to say. So the information that gets delivered to you. That you're able to listen to. Because remember God gives you choice. You have free will. Once the information is out. God has exhausted every single option for you to choose him he's made you aware he's allowed you to choose regardless of who tries to censor what people will be without excuse so when we go to romans romans uh 1 and 20 let's go to romans 1 and 20 So, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So there is no excuse. Because God exhausts. He exhausts everything with us. 
He, he chases us with his love. He gives us all the information that we need in order to make a choice. I'm explaining all of this. Because I honestly am not a biologist. But I can explain everything to you about CRISPR technology. I can explain every single diagnostic tool that was even invented. I can tell you every single plant, insect, and fish, mammal, everything that has been altered through CRISPR technology. And I am not a chemist. I am not a biologist. But I am one very good researcher. And I would say it does not come from my own ability. It came from the ability of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I know every single RNA phase that there is for RNA mapping into your genome. So I'm going to explain this and I just really, really, because, because God put this on my heart that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they reject knowledge. It is not because God is not allowing you to get the information. I have posted, I literally just posted the last couple of weeks that I have over 700,000 readers. 700,000 readers. It went all the way up into like 900 and some thousand people in 28 days. But you don't see this on the social media. You don't see it on the LinkedIn. You don't see it on the Twitter. You don't see it on Facebook. Unless I go and look at my analytics and then I post it on there. So my website has about 300,000 readers and everyone can see that on there. And altogether, I think I have about maybe 600,000 um, subscribers who would actually like for me to write a newspaper. They're on the waiting list to receive an online newspaper. So what I would like to say is this, it's so important to understand that even though some things may appear to be one way, they are not that way. So people that are out here speaking the word of God, those are the people who you should be contributing to. Those are the people who you should be supporting. Because guess what? God wants you to know that he uses his children to speak into your life. And so many times when I'm talking about my stories and I'm giving my testimony, it is because it is used for the glory of God. Although I did not have no knowledge about all of these biological processes, I know about them now. And that was through the gift of the Holy Spirit giving me the gift of knowledge. So when God started to reveal things to me, and I'm just like, oh my Lord, Jesus, I'm reading articles and I'm, I'm reading bunches, so many articles. Every single week, there's an article about CRISPR that comes out. 
It just doesn't have CRISPR technology in the message. It is no mention of CRISPR technology. But the article pings the Holy Spirit inside of me. The Holy Spirit is quickening inside of me. For instance, they just came out with the bees. They said the bees have the ability to cure cancer. So guess what the Holy Spirit quickened in me? That's CRISPR technology. So now these bees have, be, have been re-engineered and now they can provide the ability to help the processes of curing cancer. But it isn't actually the bees itself. That is a deceptive practice. And so that deceptive practice is this. If you want your human genome altered, then you can have the ability to get cured from one illness. But that doesn't necessarily equate to you not being acquiring another illness. So for instance, you may get rid of Huntington's career, but you may contract sickle cell anemia. You may get rid of cancer but now you may contract honey the parkinson's disease so ridding of one disease genetic disease doesn't equate to you not acquiring another one and so there the benefits do not outweigh the risk and i know this through thorough research so now what i'm going to do i'm going to redo all of my research at the new school because none of my information is going to transfer and that's fine because guess what i'm an excellent researcher so what i did before i can definitely analyze again and guess who's going to help me do that it's going to be my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given me the power to have the Holy Spirit. So I walk with the authority of Christ and I know that I dominate regardless, even if I, if I had to start over, it doesn't matter about starting over. So I have about nine credits that's transferring to the other school. Hopefully it'll be a little more with the current class I'm taking now. I'm going to see. I don't know. That will be good. Okay. If not, it's still fine. It's still fine because my ability to analyze, comprehend, and study and actually articulate my research is amazing. So it's, it's just the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside of me, I'm telling you. So what this world is, it's a, a knowledge breaker, a knowledge barrier. Communication barriers in the way where the, you know, limited information is being given to people to sort of hinder your comprehension. But this is biblical prophecy. It say, um, Ronald McDonald, you would like to speak. Let's see. Okay, I've invited you as a speaker. What would you like to say? No, uh, nothing, bro. What did you say? nothing i just wanted to let you know i support you even though there's nobody here there is 887 people in here Nah, there's two no there's two people in here where i get where it says live it's saying how many people were in here 
Okay, so I don't we don't need to go over the numbers. The total is 886, and me and you are in here live. Do you see that now? Sure. Okay. All right. Did you want to contribute to the conversation? Nah, I'm all right. I just want to say I support. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Okay. Thank you. All right. So I'm not uh, sure what that is about, but um, that's fine. So we have, we have 887 people. That means that I have different people that are on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, also iHeartRadio, including Alexa, including Samsung and Google Podcasts, many other podcasts, including Wisdom app. And so there are so many. You'll have to go on the website to see. There are a lot of people that are chiming in from different locations, okay? So there are 887 people that are listening right now. So you will have to come on to, to the Podbean app in order to be live, though. You can't come on live if you are not on the Podbean app itself, all right? But it will tell you that if you're attempting to go on live, if you're on iHeartRadio, Google, or Spotify, or something like that, okay? So to get back to this point, um, so I guess he wanted to analyze how many people were listening. So like I said, it's about 887 people that are listening. And so this is good. It's still good because really what matters to me is making sure that I can get through to whoever is listening. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the main thing here is that God says that people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And although the world tries to, um, censor you know, people, it does not matter. The main goal here is for us to be able to understand what God is saying in his word. And so God has given you the ability to have authority for you to have uh, the access to the Holy Spirit. We have the gifts. Let's look at some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I went over the gifts of the Holy Spirit already. Okay. But I'm going to go over them again. So this says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I, I, I really do have to do something about limiting who I allow to chime in because that was really like, it was meaningless to talk about the amount of people who are listening. It's 887 people and it is constantly increasing. So this is a good thing, right? Um, The most important thing to understand here is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But before I go to that, um, I want everyone to notice that I don't do any marketing. Okay. And I also don't do any ads. I'm not forcing you to sign up for anything. And I'm also not charging anything. All right. So I get a lot of content creators all the time. And that could have been one. I don't know. But they email me regularly saying, hey, I can get content and you can create ads. I have um, I have been approved as a nonprofit organization on Google. So I get free ads, but I don't do them. Okay, I don't have the time. I need an ad manager. As soon as I get one, that would be great. Um, if you know anyone that would like to be an ad manager or maybe do some TikTok videos, that would be nice too, right? 
Um, so just send send that email to me at info at suddenchangescorporation.org. But to go back and um focus here on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're gonna look at verse 4. So it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who gives them. There are different kinds of work to be done. But the work is for the same Lord. There are different ways of doing his work. But it is the same God who uses all these ways in all people. The Holy Spirit works in each person in one way or another for the good of all. One person is given the gift of teaching words of wisdom. Another person is given the gift of teaching what he has learned and knows. These gifts are the same Holy Spirit. One person receives the gifts of faith. So you understand like the gift of faith is, that isn't your measure of faith. That is a gift of faith. So there's two separate entities. One entity is having a measure of faith that God gives you. And the other one is the, the gift of faith. Meaning that now you have added faith where your faith is strengthened to the point where you, like I talked about that yesterday. You, your faith allows you to depend solely on God. You trust God because God is trustworthy. So you see now one person, another person receives the gifts of healing. These gifts are given by the same Holy Spirit. One person is given a gift of doing powerful works. Another person is given the gifts of speaking God's word. Another person is given the gift of telling the difference between the Holy Spirit and false spirits. Another person is given the gift of speaking in special sounds. Another person is given the gifts of telling what these sounds mean but it is the same holy spirit the spirit of god who does all these things he gives to each person as he wants to give so you see these gifts are given by the holy spirit let's look at the let's look at the king james i like looking at the king james okay so we're gonna go to verse um for now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, which work it all in all. But the manifestations of the spirit is given to every man to profit with them. For as one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom. So you see, God gives us the spirit of wisdom, the, the, the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is a gift. Wisdom isn't something that is of the world. As you see here, it is saying clearly, it says right here. It says it right here. Right here. It says, um, hold on. Where was I at? So we see here in 1 Corinthians 3 and um, 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. For instance, the distraction, 
the guy that came in, he said, oh, well, I'm, I'm here to support you um, because it's just me and you, you know, but then he's going to say that 867 people already left. That's a misinterpretation. That's also, you know, a distraction from podcasts. It's a distraction away from God's word. So you have people that will attempt to intervene in a way where they're trying to distract you from staying focused and staying the course. Just know that you have to stay the course, stay on God's plan. It doesn't matter what type of obstacle is presented in your path. If the wisdom of the world is foolishness, quit thinking like the world thinks. Just because they can give you a description of how the clouds were formed and how a cloud can disappear, that doesn't mean that they know how it originated. They don't know how it goes back into place. They don't know any of that because guess what if you're not seeking answers from god the creator the god of abraham isaac and jacob who created all things how are you gonna know though god said god is saying in first corinthians 3 19 for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in god's sight so if god is telling us that we are to be like him God says that you should be perfect, even as my father in heaven is perfect. Perfect is what? Being mature. So we understand that we're not looking at the word perfect and saying that it's not that. I, I keep hearing people. Let me tell you something what God is saying. God is telling us it's time to quit compromising. You hear people say all the time, well, nobody perfect. Who told you that? What what dictionary are you looking at? Where do you get your word from? Because perfect is mature. So I'm not looking at it from your perspective. Don't talk to me from that perspective. If we're talking about God, we need to be talking and thinking on the level that God wants us to talk and think on. Quit talking to me about these people in this world that keep saying, oh, well, this is going on and that is going on. And it. no, 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 no. Look, there is Bible prophecy right here in your face. Just go to Ecclesiastic chapter 12 in verse two. And the clouds return after the rain. The clouds are disappearing when there's a storm, when there's rain. Clouds disappear. This is Bible prophecy. This has come true. This is a this has come true. So don't be distracted by the things that you see and what they're telling you. No, you gotta go out and study. So I went and I studied because God gave me revelation. So like I said, when I look at the bees, it didn't say anything about CRISPR technology. All it said was that bees can cure cancer. Let me pull up the article. Using bees to cure cancer. 
TheNakedScientist.com, Australian scientist Sierra Duffy from the University of Western Australia and the Harry Perkins Institute in Perth has discovered that the major component of honeybee venom, a molecule called melatine, can selectively kill cancer cells. And it, excuse me, it looks particularly useful for targeting aggressive forms of breast cancer, including those referred to as triple negative tumors and that we currently struggle to treat. Chris Smith spoke to Sierra about this new work published in NPG Precision Oncology. For thousands of years, humans have looked at the products from bees for medicinal purposes, the honey, the propolis, and the venom. And in recent years, there's been a lot of interest in terms of the venom's effect in cancer. So it's been shown to be able to kill cancer cells. But no one had actually tested that on all of the types of breast cancer and compared that to normal cells. So the way that this project actually started was a veterinarian from Chile presented their research at a conference and they've taken these dogs which had tumors on their sides and they've got their honeybees and stung into these tumors and they were shrinking and going away and everybody in the audience went well how does that work so some researchers at the Perkins came together and I came in wanting to find a new treatment for breast cancer and they said well we have a project looking at bees so it's always a project. It's always a project with CRISPR technology. It's always gonna be a, a project that incorporates and encompasses CRISPR technology. So the main thing here, right, is to make sure that we have focus in a way well, we understand that we see that the clouds here is being mentioned in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 2. And the clouds return after the rain. Because scientists are figuring out how clouds is returning after it rains. It doesn't necessarily mean that they can identify the origin of how clouds are remaining and how they're dissipating. When, before it rains and after it rains. So this isn't just for clouds. So God, he just does not want us to be foolish. You know, he wants us to understand that he wants you to have the choice. And the, the reason why he has to come back is because of his children. He has to save his children from enduring a lot of pain during the tribulation period. And so it is going to be chaos. It's a total, total chaos. But at the rate at which, at which this generation, this world is going and the way that this world is headed, it's really, really not going in the positive direction to sponsor God's word. So the, the censorship of so many different things um, it's, it's not really allowing God's word to be spread out the way that it should. But God is intervening for all of us to make sure that his word is getting spread and you get the truth. So I want to say um, here it talks. There's another scripture here. It talks about 
um, you will know the truth. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And I want to do a comparison of God, God's word. And so that you can understand what the truth is. Because see, God's word is the truth. So you go to John chapter 8 verse 32. John chapter 8 verse 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So let's look at that entire um, like verse there. Okay. All right, so let's look at here. I want to look at the verses before and after. So you're going to look at um 32. Actually, we're going to look at 31. And then we're going to go down. So it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So God is not going to allow... He won't allow you to be deceived when your heart is seeking the Lord. He will not allow you to be a fool in this world. But to the people that are not really like focusing on God and they're not. Listen, this is what the word of God says. So there are children of God and there are children of the devil. Okay. And so if you go to John chapter eight, we're going to look at chapter eight and verse, um, let's look at chapter eight, verse 44 now. Uh, no, verse 42, verse 42, John chapter eight, verse 42. So it says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. So understand what this means in verse 43. That the Bible talks about in several different scriptures. It also mentions and confirms this in God's word consistently. That they hear, but they do not perceive. They see, no, but they see, they do not perceive. They hear, but they do not understand. Least they turn and I will forgive them of their sins. They don't perceive God's word. They don't understand God's word. And the reason why they don't perceive it and the reason why they don't understand it is because they're unable to hear it. So if you're not seeking God or you're not seeking the truth, then you're seeking the validation of lies. It's just like, have you ever been in a relationship where you wanted that person to do the right thing? And it's like, you like, okay, well, are you, you, you telling the truth? It's like, you want to believe that they're telling you the truth. For instance, you want to believe that your parents are not lying to you. You also want to believe that your spouse is not lying to you about their location and where they're going to work. Right. You want to believe those things. So in when you find out that it wasn't what the truth was, that wasn't the truth. Like, for instance, your spouse cheated on you. Now they committed infidelity. But you wanted to believe them. So what God is saying here is like, look, my language is not clear to you because you are unable to hear it. 
Because why? Why is God's language unable? People are unable to hear. It is because they choose to believe a lie. This is in the Bible. That's another scripture. They choose. They choose to believe a lie. So they choose to believe a lie. And you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. And for this, because God shall send them God shall, shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but he had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see that? So they're gonna have pleasure in unrighteousness. They are their pleasure. And these worldly things disallow them from understanding who God is. Disallows people from understanding the plan, will, and purpose that God has for your life. So I'm going to end on that note. I have a couple minutes left. But I want to say this. Actually, I have more than just a couple minutes. I was looking at the other one. Um, let me explain this. So God wants you to realize that you walk with his authority. You have the power of Christ living on the inside of you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have been given every single tool that it takes for you to be victorious in life. And so God wants you to be able to use it. He wants you to use it. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to use the tools that you have been made available to have. So otherwise, they choose to believe a lie. Don't be someone who is unable to hear what God is saying to you. Do not be that person. As we see here in John chapter uh, 8, verse 21. No, is that 21? What, what verse? I was looking at, uh, hold on one second. Let me pull that other verse back up. I have so many verses up here. Yeah, so let's look at this verse. So let's look at uh, John, John chapter 8 and verse, uh, what is this? Verse 21. Once more, Jesus says to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot go? They still don't understand what he's saying. You mean to tell me they've been with Jesus. They watched them heal people, but yet and still they're going to say, well, where, what, will he kill himself? Because they just knew that they were going to be going with him, right? Where I go, you cannot come. But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Hold on one second. Because I have, hold on. So we see here. So we see here that 
that is what God is saying. He's saying, look, I, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus. Of you, But he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. So they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him. Even as he, as he spoke, many believed in him. So you see, that's what God wants us to do. We just have to, we have to be willing to do what God is telling us to do. It isn't about, oh, okay, people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, you believe in God. Here you go with that holy stuff. Here you go with being holy. You holier than now. Look, let me tell you something. I would rather be called holier than thou rather than to have depression or anxiety. Because that's something that I do not have. I've never been diagnosed with any, any mental health condition at all. I do not look like the experiences I have been through. I am 40 years old. Next month, I will be 40. So, you know, like, let me just explain that God gives you the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so what that means is that we choose life. We choose peace. We choose love. And we choose to follow God voluntarily. Hold on one second, you guys. Thank you. Thank you all so much for holding. So let me just go ahead and stop on that note for tonight. I will see you all on Thursday. But let me just let you all know this. 
So just keep this in mind. No matter what the obstacle, no matter what the experience, no matter what the adversity may be, it doesn't matter what problem that you go through, what concerns that you have in life. God has given you the ability to overcome all things through him. So nothing can defeat you. You don't walk in defeat. You're not, there's nothing defeated about you. We have faith in God because we trust in God. Therefore, we have the victory. We are not victims. We are filled with victory. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are heirs in the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are the salt of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So no matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what it may be. Quit looking at the external factors and, and begin to depend on God and know that you've won through Christ. You have favor through God. And you can overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome. I don't care what it may physically look like to you. Trust that God will give you favor. See, there are a lot of times we want to do things where we are going to, you know, like stay in a situation that we are in. For instance, I want to stay at the school, but then I don't want to stay at that school. I'm, I'm not being, there's no contribution. It, it the, the school wants me to stay, but the people that are teaching me, they need to be able to contribute to my overall success during this learning experience. So that is the issue. So the attachment that I have there to the school, I have to let it go. Because guess what? God created another opportunity. And so it's never, ever given up on anything that God has already destined for you. You just know that you walk in this world and you have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, which means that you have the, you walk with authority. It doesn't matter about what is going on in this world. Don't ever be embarrassed about what's going on, uh, of what people think in this world about you. It's about you satisfying God. It's about you pleasing God. It's about you doing the things that God wants you to do, not what people want you to do. So let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for favor. We thank you for allowing us to have victory through you, God. We ask that you just continue to cover us with your blood from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, God. We ask that you just, we plead the blood of Jesus over our steps, over our thinking, over our minds, God. And we thank you right now in advance that we our thoughts is taken into captivity for anything that would exalt itself above your knowledge. And we make our thoughts obedient to Christ. God, we thank you that your will be done in our life, God. We thank you that your purpose, plan, and will will be fulfilled no matter what, God. We thank you that we have victory through you. Thank you for giving us the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for power. Thank you for the authority that we have through you, God. So we ask that you continue to allow us to walk in victory. Let us know the authority. Let us walk in authority. Let us dominate everything on this earth through the power of your Holy Spirit until you returning and come and get us, God. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, God. We thank you that your word, your plan, your will will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining me. I will see you all on Thursday. Remember to influence the greatness in others. You have to keep God in your life and make sure that you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right now. So you are all victors in victory, living in victory. You're not victims and you're nothing defeated about you. So just remember whenever that doubt or unbelief try to kick in, you just say in the name of Jesus Christ, I have faith in God and through grace I'm saved and, and through his salvation. And so you just know when you read God's word,